first and goal. To the end zone, and it is held for the touchdown. Cooper, Amari Cooper over Cameron Dantzler. 75 yards in eight plays to take the lead. Okay, uh, disappointing loss. Seems like for many weeks here we've had uh, teams on the rope and haven't been able to finish, and then we either win them at the end or lose them at the end. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. By the way, that Al Michaels highlight, the Amari Cooper touchdown last night, not as good as the Joe Buck call of Rasul Douglas's interception on Thursday. I love Al Michaels, but there's something about the big moment. That's, I don't know. And I understand he called, you know, maybe the biggest sporting event, sporting moment in our country's history. That you believe in miracles? Yes. Feels like every touchdown that Al Michaels calls now is and a touchdown. And I don't know. I don't mean to rip on Al Michaels. I love Joe Buck. We talked about this last week. I'll stand for Joe Buck. He's the best. Troy Aikman and Al Michaels. I thought I was really excited to play that highlight. Cooper Rush throwing the touchdown last night in a really fun Sunday night game. Not fun for Vikings fans. Viking fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I got to thank you. Because without last night's game, I don't really know what the focus of today's show would have been. Probably would have talked a lot about the Badgers beating the Hawkeyes. But I two hours on that, I don't have that much to say about the Badgers. The Packers didn't play, and there wasn't really another great NFL game yesterday. But the sporting world, the sporting universe, typically hands you a gem, hands you a great game when you need one. We needed that great game from the Vikings and the Cowboys last night. I would have preferred Dak to play. But I'm sorry, Vikings fans, this game is interesting. And it's going to be the focus of, I think, a big part of the show tonight. We're not going to mock. We're not going to make fun of Vikings fans. That's No, it's not what we do here. Nope. But I do want to talk about it. Because it was by far the most interesting thing that happened this weekend. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I hope you had an excellent Halloween weekend. I had to get dressed up on Saturday. I was out with a little group. And I, I suffered through it. I can't say that it was that bad. I dressed as a tube of ketchup. Right, pretty harmless. Nothing too over the top. Just a red tube of ketchup that said ketchup across the front. The only bad part was everywhere I went, people kept asking me where mustard is. I don't need to have a mu- bottle of ketchup can be its own costume, right? Everyone had, where's mustard? But shut up. All right. I'm me. I don't need mustard. Mustard doesn't define me. Sauerkraut, pickle relish. That doesn't define me. So that was my Halloween. Spent it in Madison. Got out of lacrosse for a couple days, which was nice. Thought about going to a Bucks game. Uh, it was a good thing that we didn't because they lost both games this weekend. Another topic that really, I mean, do you want to talk about the Bucks losing twice? They had one starter available yesterday. One. And they had two on Saturday. They're hurt. I don't want to talk about the Bucks right now. That's boring. These games don't really matter. They don't really count. They don't have anyone available. So instead, we're going to talk about the Vikings because, wow. Wow. That was the most interesting thing to come out of this Halloween weekend. And I got a tweet from Jeff. Joe Buck's call was awesome. Yeah, it was. I don't mean to dump on Al Michaels, but left a little bit something to be desired with that Amari Cooper touchdown last night. You can text the show, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me, at Wisco Grant. 
Mad Mike says, Grant, he's 100 for God's sake. Yeah, he's, he's old. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they let Marv Albert go until the bitter end. I wonder if it's ever going to get to that point with Al Michaels. I think he'll probably step away. But then again, Bob Euchre's like 102, and Bob Euchre sounds as good now as he's ever sounded. Some of these announcers, they can just really go the difference. Thank you for the text. Thank you for the tweets. I will take calls and texts and tweets all the way until 6 o'clock. Matthew Caller of Purple Insider is going to join us at 5.30. Yes to talk Vikings. And it timed out well today because the Vikings topic is the most interesting topic. But we always talk a little bit about the Packers and about football as a whole as well. Matthew Caller will join us at 5.30. I considered starting the show today with the World Series just to troll you all. Just just to be annoying. But I, I figured out it felt probably better. The slate yesterday wasn't great. It was messy. There really weren't any awesome games that got you excited. Panthers beat the Falcons by six. The Falcons need to get some damn self-respect. Show some respect. The team went to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Matt Ryan won an MVP. My God, just no shame. The Bills beat the Dolphins, but barely. And I don't know, outside the East Coast, the AFC East is not really a sexy division that everyone wants to watch. Steelers beat the Browns 15-10. to 10. Ugh. Eagles beat the Lions 44-6. to 6. I'm sorry, Lions fans. That game had no intrigue. Titans-Colts was cool, but again, one of those AFC matchups where it's just like, eh, outside of those markets, I don't know that a whole lot of people care. Bengals lost to the Jets. That's interesting, but I don't really know what it means. The Rams beat up on the Texans. Grass is green. Patriots and the Chargers played an okay game, I guess. I can't complain about that. Seahawks beat the Jags by a million. The Broncos beat the football team in a game that I think most of us didn't even think about yesterday. And the Saints beat the Bucks. That was probably the only other semi-interesting game yesterday. Tom Brady, again, just can't figure out the Saints. Yesterday's slate was messy. It was kind of all over the place. It's like when I come home from work or I come home from a workout and I'm starving hungry and I need to eat, but I don't have one thing to make. So I just start eating random things. It's like, oh, I'll make a bowl of ramen. Then I'll eat a Pop-Tart. Then I'll eat a PB&J sandwich, maybe some chips and salsa. And it's like, ugh. Just a gross combination of things. That's yesterday's NFL slate. Throughout the day, it's like, this is kind of gross. Like, Pittsburgh beat the Browns 15-10. to 10. Yuck, right? Then we got Vikings-Cowboys last night. That was like the steak and potatoes that we strive for. That was the meal. That was the entree, the main course. I had high hopes for this game. Even last Thursday and Friday, I thought, man, Sunday night, Vikings-Cowboys, that's going to be a blast. That game is going to be great, right? And then it was announced yesterday that Dak Prescott wasn't going to play. And that bummed me out because at that point, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be a game. This isn't supposed to be a game. You hear that, Vikings fans? It wasn't supposed to be a game. Vikings off a bye at home. Dallas without their starting quarterback. And Dallas wins 22-16. It's the kind of loss you need a cigarette after. You like you feel the weight of a loss like that. I remember turning off my TV and getting ready for bed, and I just kept going, oh, man. Like, I could feel it. It stuck with me. You only get losses like that every couple of years. Where I almost felt guilty for watching. Where it's like, man, I feel for Vikings fans. I get their arrival, but damn. It's reminiscent of the Packers losing to Josh Rosen at home in 2018. Where it's like, that's bad. That's embarrassing. And the worst thing of all, this is on Sunday Night Football. There is no better stage to be embarrassed than Sunday Night Football. The end of the day, everyone's watching. And what's worse is... Then the next morning, every show leads with that game because it's the last game that sticks in the back of our mind. If you're going to lay an egg and lose in embarrassing fashion, do it in one of the ugly 3 o'clock games. Don't do it on Sunday Night Football. 
That's the kind of loss that gets a coach fired. This is the loss that the Bears had to the Buccaneers two weeks ago, right? America's Game of the Week, Tom Brady, Chicago playing the Bears, and the Bears lost, what, 38-3 to or whatever it was. That's the kind of loss that gets a coach fired. That's how bad it was. Now, context is important. We're only in, what, week eight? You're typically not going to fire a coach in week eight, and the Vikings are only one game under 500. They're three and four. And I'm not saying the Vikings should fire Zimmer, but that's the optics of a game like this, right? When you lose in a game that you have no business losing to a quarterback that has no business beating you, and you do it at home, and you do it off a bye, and you're the healthier team, and you're a team with expectations to compete for the division and make the playoffs, it just... Oof. Feel the weight of that game afterwards. You can feel the magnitude without even going on social media, without even going on Twitter or watching SportsCenter, because you know... You know how bad a loss like that is. Vikings fans, it hurt to watch that. I was in pain watching it, right? The Vikings have a quarterback, wide receiver, running back group that most teams would love to have. I just looked at the rest of the NFC, and I'm like, okay, which NFC teams for sure have a better offensive battery than the Vikings? So if you look at the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, the quarterbacks, right? The people that are getting the ball and the person who's delivering the ball— I think the Vikings are only markedly worse than Tampa and Dallas. I think Tampa has better wide receivers. Their running backs aren't as good, but their quarterback is much better. I think Dallas has a better quarterback, wide receivers that are just about as good, and a running back combo that's really good as well. Right Now, I think Green Bay, Arizona, the Rams, on par with the Vikings. Green Bay doesn't have a number two wide receiver as good as Adam Thielen, but Aaron Jones is pretty good, and Aaron Rodgers is much better than Kirk Cousins, so it kind of balances out, right? Arizona's got a better quarterback. Their running game isn't as good as what they have with Dalvin Cook, but their weapons on the outside are are pretty good. It's pretty even. And the Rams, right? Stafford, much better than Kirk. They don't have the running game, but they certainly have the the wide receivers with Woods and Cooper Cup. That leaves 10 other NFC teams that are markedly worse in the weapons department, in the offensive battery department, compared to the Vikings. And yet, the Vikings, with these excellent weapons and a quarterback that's not terrible— and like, there's a lot of teams. There's teams with bad quarterbacks. Like Cooper Rush started a game yesterday. Jalen Hurts isn't good. Taylor Heineke is playing. You could do so much worse than the quarterback, wide receiver, running back group than the Vikings have. And yet, the Vikings choose to run an offense similar to the offense we watched the Packers run last week without Devontae Adams, without MVS, without Lazard, without Tunyon. They play so limited. They run the ball too much, and they do so without really any creativity, and they don't run much play action. And Kirk Cousins is always checking the ball down to C.J. Ham, And he's got Justin Jefferson on the outside. Justin Jefferson, I think, had what? How many targets yesterday? I don't want to be wrong. I want to say, like, three. He had four targets. And Adam Thielen had nine targets. But you should double the amount of targets that Justin Jefferson has. I even like K.J. Osborne. Get him some more targets. Stop checking it down to C.J. Ham. Stop running it into a wall with Dalvin Cook, who had 18 carries for only 78 yards. He didn't bust a long one. He didn't have any touchdowns. That's four yards per play. That's not going to cut it against an offense like the Dallas Cowboys in 2021, even if they are you know, playing with a backup quarterback. They play without inspiration. Kirk Cousins yesterday, 5.4 yards per attempt. He had an A dot, an average depth of target of 4.3, which in the entirety of Week 8 was better than only Mike White who's so good that he's the backup to Zach Wilson, who's been garbage this year, and Jameis Winston, who left after 10 attempts because he blew up his knee. Kirk Cousins' average depth of target with those receivers. Can you can you name a wide receiver for, for the Jets? 
Corey Davis didn't play yesterday. So that leaves them with Elijah Moore, the rookie. And for the Saints, you can probably name Marquez Calloway. Name that other guy, Deontay Harris. Is that his name? Kirk Cousins' average depth of target was worse than every quarterback in the league other than the backup for the Jets and a quarterback who was the backup for the Saints until this year when he stepped in and started. Now, part of it is Kirk Cousins. He just gets wigged out. He gets freaked out, and he checks the ball down. I think part of it is the way this team is ran, the way that Zimmer likes to run an offense, the way that Clint Kubiak likes to run an offense. But this is a Kirk problem, too. And Kirk puts up really good numbers because the Vikings don't ask him to do a whole lot, and Kirk doesn't take a lot of risks. Kirk and that Vikings offense had a chance to drive before halftime, and they let like 20-some seconds run off the clock without using their timeout. And when asked about it after the game, this is what Kirk said, the question and answer about that sequence going into halftime. Uh, before the half, there was the, the scramble and then sort of the you know, 20 seconds or so ran off the clock. In that situation, is that your prerogative to call timeout perhaps? or I just let Zim handle the timeouts because I never know quite what the coaches want to do with what they're thinking, you know, play ahead or what it may be. So I was just uh, going to let them handle that and then, uh, you know, call the next play if, if we're not getting it. So that answer is essentially like, I don't know, man. I just work here. It's not a whole lot of synergy with Kirk Cousins. He doesn't really... I mean, he's dumping down to C.J. Ham. There was a second and two play where Adam Thielen's open down the field and instead Kirk Cousins checks it down to C.J. Ham, who's double covered and it's a loss of four. He could have thrown it out of bounds. That would have been a better result than the play that Kirk Cousins ran. And to, after the game, get up there and essentially say, I don't know, I just, I, you know... Zimmer's in charge of the timeouts. I don't know. I just work here. You're not blameless, Kirk, okay? Be a man. Stop throwing checkdowns. Go out there and win a game for your team. His cap hit is one of the biggest in the league, quarterback-wise, between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, two guys that carry a team and can go out and find a win where a win doesn't exist. And yet after the game, they're like, hey, Kirk, what was this issue? What was this issue? He's like, oh, it was a combination of coverage and pressure. Oh, so the, the two things that are guaranteed every week, a team plays coverage against you and they pressure you and that's the reason why you turtled? You're dumping the ball down? I'm not going to call for Mike Zimmer to be fired. That was trending last night. I guess I wonder what's next for Minnesota, though. You can't really get much better on offense because I don't think Kirk Cousins can play any better. They're now, by the way, Kirk Cousins against teams that are 500 better on primetime. 0-8, right? We know what Kirk Cousins is. This is Kirk Cousins. This is what he does. This is who he is. And you get results like that. There's a reason that they've lost to Matt Moore and Chase Daniel and now Cooper Rush. I don't know. Kirk Cousins just seems to want to separate himself. He's like, well, I leave that to Zimmer. I leave that to this, this. Well, quarterback wins aren't a stat. A quarterback isn't solely responsible for wins and losses. But when you're a highly paid quarterback and your team counts on you, show a little juice, show a little ownership and responsibility and fire. Packers have been trying to get better on defense for 10 years, and they can't do it. The Vikings' answer to this is, well, we need to be a little bit better on defense. I don't think they can get better on defense, because if they do get better on defense, then that means they can't pay a wide receiver. It's like trying to plug holes in a rowboat. As soon as you get one stuffed, another's going to appear, and you only have so many arms. You only have so much money. You only have so many draft picks. And don't tell me that Cooper Rush played well last night. He didn't. He played like a backup. He did not play well. He turned the ball over. There were a lot of punts. There were a lot of bad plays. The Vikings let Cooper Rush play poorly and did not make him pay. The Vikings went one for 13 on third down. 
which is terrible. And yet only one of one on fourth down tries that matter. There's the one at the end of the game. That doesn't count. They went for it on fourth down once and picked it up. They should have gone for it a few other times. Drive. Be aggressive. Score. Put the game away. Don't let Cooper Rush play like crap for three quarters and then make one magical throw at the end that defines the play. If you get comfortable playing in close games, and the Vikings have done that this year, you invite luck to be a part of the equation. You invite variance, the bounce of the ball, the the officials call, a review. We saw that in Cincinnati. You allow the kicking game to be a part of it. We saw that in the game against Arizona when they missed the game winner, when Paul Allen flubbed the call, right? We talked about this with the Brewers at the beginning of the year when the Brewers were losing 3-2, to 2-1, two, two to one, one to nothing. Oh, my God, this call was terrible. This ball just snuck through the infield. They got unlucky here. You invite luck into the equation when you play close games. And the Vikings' offense and their weapons are good enough. They don't have to play close games against Cooper Rush. And I'm not even a Vikings fan, and it makes me mad. Because I look at the rest of the NFL, and there's a lot of teams that would love to have Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen or even Tyler Conklin or K.J. Osborne or even Kirk Cousins and certainly Dalvin Cook. And yet the Vikings are like, nah, um, no. We're going to try to beat Cooper Rush at home off a bye 13-10. to I just don't get it. And that's both the coaching and Kirk Cousins. I'm not blaming one or the other. It's certainly double, double-sided. double It's frustrating. I mean, whatever. The Packers are going to waltz to another division title. I can't complain. But I got to watch this. And it's frustrating because it's dumb football. And there's too much dumb football in the NFL. The Vikings should be better. And I would imagine if there's Viking fans listening that you would agree with me. <sighs> we're going to talk more about the Vikings later on in the show. We'll kind of reset at 5 o'clock, talk more about this game. And like I said, we're going to talk with Matthew Collar of Purple Insider Used to be at ESPN 1500 in the cities. Now he's an independent rogue agent covering the team. He's got a podcast. I listened to it today. It's very good. I thought he did a pretty good job summarizing yesterday's game. We'll talk with him at 530. Coming up next, I want to bring the Packers into the equation, but I want to use the New York Jets and their game yesterday to do it. The Packers didn't play, but I watched this Jets game, and I'm like, you know what? This this teaches us a thing or two about the Packers. So let's talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Uh, before the half, there was the, the scramble and then sort of the you know, 20 seconds or so ran off the clock. In that situation, is that your prerogative to call timeout perhaps? or I just let Zim handle the timeouts because I never know quite what the coaches want to do with what they're thinking, you know, play ahead or what it may be. So I was just... Uh, going to let them handle that and then uh, you know call the next play if, if we're not getting it. Wisco Sports Show, that's Kirk Cousins after yesterday's game basically saying, I don't know, don't ask me, I just work here. <laughs> right? I don't know, ask Mike Zimmer. You know, you can call timeouts too, Kirk Cousins. That's, that's a rule. I see Aaron Rodgers do it a lot. That's actually what made Packers fans so upset last week. Packers went down to the desert, won in Arizona against an undefeated team on a short week through a bunch of injuries, and yet the prevailing thought for most Packers fans was Aaron Rodgers calls too many timeouts. It can be done, Kirk Cousins. You can just take your hands and make a tee. You can call them yourselves. There's no accountability. One of these games, I want Kirk to get angry and take command of a game and take responsibility for what's going on. It's okay. It's okay to lose a game. It happens all the time. Well, not for the Packers. They've won seven in a row, but I'm not here to gloat. You get my point. Teams lose in the NFL all the time. Even they even lose games when they're not supposed to lose games. 
But to just come to the podium after the game and be like, I don't know, I just work here. I don't know what the offense is we're supposed to run. I can't call timeouts. I'm going to leave that to the coaches. Come on, man. Step up. You're making as much money on the cap as Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson this year. you got to take some ownership. Take charge. Yeah. So we're a Vikings show today. Talk about some other games as well. My name is Grant Bills. If I didn't already say that, you probably know that. But you can tweet me at Wisco Grant. You can text the show or even call the show 608 796 2558. A couple of texts to get to. This one is anonymous. It says, By the way, Cousins is now 5 and 15 when needing a touchdown to win or tie. Those numbers uh, can be a little bit misleading. It's the same with the primetime numbers, right? A lot of people with Kirk Cousins like to say, oh, he's 0-8 in primetime against winning teams. And I said that in the opening segment or uh, 0-15 all-time on primetime or or, or whatever. However many games he's played in primetime in his career. And they're really damning. And it's easy to think, well, those stats are misleading. Well, well, we have years of it, though. We have years of Kirk Cousins hitting the check down when he needs to be looking down the field. We have years of Kirk Cousins not calling a timeout and saying, well, I leave that to the coaches. Kirk, you can't leave that to the coaches, man. You're paid like a superstar quarterback, and you're not Aaron Rodgers, you're not Russell Wilson, but you can call a timeout, right? Like, just, man, man, just annoys me. I shouldn't care about this because I love the Packers, but it just bothers me. Jason Breacher says Cooper Rush probably said, you like that? Yeah, he probably did. And I also don't like the narrative today that Cooper Rush played well. He didn't play well. He played really poorly except for a couple of moments, and the Vikings allowed that game to stay close and therefore allowed those few moments to define the game. It never should have been close. We did this conversation a million times in the spring with the Brewers when they couldn't score, and it seemed like they were getting really unlucky. A ball strike call wouldn't go their way, or a little stoinker off the end of an opposing bat would fall, and it's bad luck. Okay, well, you want to take luck out of the equation? Don't play in close games. Don't have the score be 13-13 in the fourth quarter. Be up 27-7 like you're supposed to be at home off a bye, and these factors like who called a timeout going to halftime. That doesn't matter if you just take care of business. TCB. Vikings didn't do that yesterday. Once again, I don't know why I care about this so much. This game is interesting to me. I like talking about interesting things, and that's why I can get excited and, and have fun talking about this. I'm also not a Vikings fan, which helps. Cooper Rush beat the Vikings yesterday as a backup, someone who had never played meaningful NFL snaps before. A bunch of backups won yesterday. Trevor Simeon beat Tom Brady. Geno Smith won in a game against the Jags with the Seahawks. I don't think anybody was paying attention to that game. And then another backup I want to focus on in particular, Mike White, the backup to Zach Wilson, who's been one of the worst quarterbacks in football this year. Mike White. Have you ever heard of Mike White before he started playing? I hadn't, I'll admit. Fifth-round pick, 2018 draft, Western Kentucky. All right? He led the Jets to a win over everyone's favorite Cincinnati Bengals yesterday, and he did so leading a team that was an 11.5-point underdog. Jets weren't supposed to sniff a victory yesterday, much like the Cowboys weren't supposed to with Cooper Rush either, but that's a separate conversation. This game's fascinating. Mike White threw for 405 yards, and you might think, wow, should he be the starter and not Zach Wilson? This is a Matt Flynn situation. Mike White have a future as a starter moving forward maybe. I I don't know. Well, you got to look a little bit deeper than just the yardage total because this game shows us a lot. Running back, Michael Carter, had 14 targets, 9 catches, 95 yards. Wide receiver, Ty Johnson, 6 targets, 5 catches, 71 yards. They had 114 
uh, or 14 targets, rather, for 166 yards and a touchdown to the running backs. 14 targets, 166 yards, and a touchdown to the running backs in the passing game. A lot of yards after the catch. Yak. And remember, Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt LaFleur, is the offensive coordinator, running very similar things for the Jets under head coach Robert Salah, who is the best man in you know, Matt LaFleur's wedding. We, we get this, right? They're in a very similar offense to the Packers. And they've been running this offense all season. But all of the sudden... The offense worked yesterday. They put up a bunch of points. The final score was, I don't have it in front of me. Let me get the scoreboard here. The Jets won 34 to 31. The Jets scored 34 points yesterday and won with a backup quarterback. All of a sudden, their offense works because Mike White ran the offense as it was designed, right? And I wouldn't talk about this because it's the Jets and the Bengals, but I looked at this game and I looked at these stats and I thought, wait, Here's a great example. This game serves as an awesome data point for Aaron Rodgers and for Matt LaFleur's offense, the brother of Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator for Mike White and the Jets who won yesterday. Take what the defense gives you, right? If the defense is going to let you throw to your running back 14 times for nine catches and 95 yards, take those yards. Are they glamorous? Nah. They might not look like highlight plays, but that's how you win games in the NFL. Ty Johnson, the wide receiver, who I never heard of before yesterday. Six targets, five catches, 71 yards. It's all yards after the catch, baby, right? But that's what the defense was allowing. And Cincinnati, specifically, doesn't have very good linebackers. Certainly not going to hold up in coverage. That's an area of the defense you can look to exploit. And that's what the Jets did. And Mike White came in and said, look, Zach Wilson is this Brett Favre, loose cannon, play for the big play, playoff script. I'm just going to run the offense that Mike LaFleur is running. I'm going to hit my running backs for checkdowns. I'm going to hit my wide receivers in space. Let them run. And he did that to the tune of 405 yards. And they beat the Bengals, who were as hot and as beloved, and and the Sharps are on them as much as any team in the NFL right now. They looked amazing. Look at these wide receivers. And Joe Mixon's got to cook in. And Joe Burrow's awesome. Well, Mike White essentially came in, hit the checkdowns that were designed for him by his OC, and they won. Right? Playing defense in the NFL, especially in 2021, is really hard. It's really hard. The rules are against you. Wide receivers, running backs have never been more athletic. Quarterbacks have never been more protected. All the rules in 2021 skew offense. The way the personnel, like, great high school players, they want to play wide receiver, running back. They don't want to play play corner. They don't want to play linebacker. I want to be the flashy, glamour. So you have all the best athletes playing offensive positions. The rules all skew offense. It's really hard to play good defense in the NFL, right? So quarterbacks should take what's there, take what's easy. Play after play after play. Take what's easy. Get in where you fit in. That's what Mike White did yesterday. And that's what Aaron Rodgers did last week. Now, Aaron Rodgers did it to the tune of 180-some yards, not 400 yards. But I watched Colin Cowherd's lead last Friday because I wanted to hear what he would say about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to start the show. And I like I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with what he said, but I really loved what he said. He said, that's as impressed as I've ever been with Aaron Rodgers. He came in executed the offense that need to be executed, right? He didn't try to be flashy or off script. He understood the assignment like Tom Brady would, right? Tom Brady realizes, oh my God, we're going up against a tough defense. Uh, All our guys are hurt. Well, I need to do the boring things. I need to get in where I fit in. I need to hit the check downs. I need to get the yards after the catch. And Aaron Rodgers did that last Thursday. Mike White, of all people, did it yesterday. And I saw that and I thought, ooh, there's a great reminder for NFL quarterbacks. 
It's great to do what Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers sometimes do. But on a week-by-week basis, when you just got to beat the teams that you're better than and beat up on defenses that you should beat up on, take what your offensive coordinator schemes for you. Now, that doesn't mean check the ball down to C.J. Ham, Kirk Cousins. Mike White figured it out yesterday. Aaron Rodgers, we saw that he's capable of figuring it out on Thursday. We need more of that. We need more structure. We need more scheme. We need less freelancing. The Packers are going to be a better team for it. We got a good example of that in the Jets game of all places yesterday. We're going to take a break. Coming up, I want to revisit some takes I had week one, week two, week three, when we thought we had the NFL figured out. Remember when the Panthers were undefeated? Yeah, back then. I wanted to revisit two takes, one about the NFC North and one about the NFC as a whole, and see if they still hold any water. Because I think now, if you look back the last couple weeks, I've been surprised at how things have shaken out in the standings and in the division. And I want to kind of correct and reset some of our narratives now that we're about halfway through the NFL season, which is crazy. Let's do that. Coming up next, more of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We're talking about the Jets. We talked about the Vikings. Things are getting weird with no Packers game yesterday. Thought about talking about the World Series, and maybe we will for just a few minutes. Coming up before 5 o'clock, Matthew Collar will join us in about an hour. Purple Insider to talk about what happened with the Vikings yesterday, but discuss the Packers, the NFC, the NFC North as well. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant or search Grant Bills. Call and text 608-796-2558. Elk Mound Nick says, shout out to your Mustangs on the big win on Friday. Yeah, Menominee came back, what was it, 22 to nothing at halftime? Came back to beat DeForest. That's just, that's what us Mustangs do, Nick. We're, you know, we're never down and out, ever. Uh, I actually, this is bad. I didn't check to see if they won until today. When I got your text, I looked it up over the commercial break. Now, I was in Milwaukee this week and I was doing something else. If I was at home and bored, I probably would have peaked. I apologize. I want to talk about our Onalaska Hilltopper boys winning state at Ridge's Golf Course. Yeah, I'm talking about cross country on Saturday. Yes, that was great, too. But yeah, Menominee came back down 22. Just because Joe Labuda retires, baby, this train ain't stopping. Nuh-uh. Dynasty, you go from one coach to the next, right? One star quarterback to the next. Nah. Menominee football, that ain't going anywhere. So you folks at Eau Claire Memorial, Eau Claire North, Chai High, you, you can hope, you can pray, you thought you got rid of Labuda. Nuh-uh. Mm-mm. Train keeps rolling. You can tell how passionate I'm about this, given that I didn't know what happened in the game <laughs> until Nick texted in. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. I hope all is well in the beautiful Chippewa Valley. Thanks for listening on our affiliate, No Claire Sports Talk 105.1. Josh and Sparta, before we keep going, get to some of these texts. It says, Von Miller to the Rams. Missed part of your show. I'm not sure if you saw that. The rich getting richer. Yeah, so the Rams. What do we do with them? They gave, I believe, a set, it was a second and third rounder for Von Miller today. Yeah, I, I think the Broncos are probably laughing about that right now, to be honest. I think the Broncos feel like they got away with the heist. They've probably been wanting to get off of that contract for a while, and now they get two day two picks out of it. Yeah, they have to eat some of that salary, but who cares? Right? The Broncos aren't playing for this year. They're playing for next year. Now they have even more picks to try to go get Aaron Rodgers if he's available, or maybe Russell Wilson's available, or whoever. Like There could be quarterbacks on the move this offseason. 
So Denver got off a bad contract, somebody who's injury prone. I wouldn't be shocked. And I, I don't mean to wish this on anyone, but if you had to bet Von Miller is a huge contributor to the Rams and plays a big part in them winning a championship, or he gets hurt and barely even contributes at all this season, I would bet on him getting hurt and not contributing. I, I don't mean to be jaded and focus on the negative, but I think history over the last couple of years would tell us that's probably how this is going to go. But the Rams are a fascinating experiment in going all in for one season Future consequences be damned. We'll see. I'm glad it's not my team, but then again, if they win a Super Bowl, they will have done the absolute opposite of what the Packers have done since 2011 and proven that it can work. Then again, I I don't really like the Rams. I kind of hope they lose every chance I watch them. Talked a little bit about the Jets and how Mike White, backup quarterback yesterday, simply hit his checkdowns, threw to his running backs, got yards after the catch, and as 11.5-point dogs, they were able to beat Cincinnati doing that. Aaron Rodgers did something very similar, although the roster and the health of the you know the, uh, supporting cast, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, kind of necessitated that he did that. I think it's a great example of how sometimes you just get in where you fit in. You understand the assignment. If this game is going to be won by throwing checkdowns, then I throw checkdowns. Self-awareness, super important as a quarterback. And yes, we've been talking about the Vikings as well. I want to talk about how we're already in week nine, which is bizarre. Mondays at work, maybe you have the same experience, but I had this experience today. You have beginning of the week meetings, you know, you outline how things are going to go. And I guarantee somebody at your place of work probably told you today, somebody said small talk. I, uh, I can't believe it's already November. Right? Like, so I bet you heard somebody say that today. Very lame small talk item. Although I suppose it's true. And it's even more jarring when you think about it in an NFL context, because... After tonight's game, it's going to be week nine. Feels like just yesterday the Packers got waxed by the Saints in Jacksonville. So I do want to take a look around and think about some opinions we had earlier this season. Were we right? Were we wrong? What has changed? Because we now have a pretty fat sample size with the NFC and with the AFC. Who's good and who's not? Like, remember when the Panthers were good for a month? That was fun. It was ridiculous from the start, right? Those of us who... We're paying attention, and we actually thought about it critically. Panthers were never really that good. Sam Darnold was never really that good. They beat up on bad teams, and they got some good side of, of variance. They got some good luck. That's not the point. I digress. I thought it would be fun to revisit two discussions in particular that I remember from earlier in the season. See if they aged well. I don't think either one of them did. Well, maybe one did. Let's start with one that's my take, and then I have another take that was more broadly and widely accepted and, and talked about. My take from a couple weeks back was that the NFC North might be the worst division in football, right? Because after two or three weeks, the Packers really didn't have a statement win yet. They had beaten up on the Lions. And I'm like, look, I don't even know if the Packers are that good, but it doesn't matter because the Vikings aren't good either, which is further confirmed last night. The Bears aren't any good and the Lions aren't any good. This is like a month and a half ago where I'm saying the NFC North is that bad. Of course, the Packers are going to win the division. They're going to go on to make the playoffs. That's how this works, right? The only other contender, I think, to maybe prove that take wrong is the NFC East. I'm not ready to say that the NFC North is worse than the NFC East. At the top, Dallas, Green Bay, I think those basically cancel each other out. Are the Vikings and the Eagles on par with each other? I don't know if that's totally fair to the Vikings, although they just lost to Cooper Rush. The Giants and the Bears. We'll see the Giants tonight. Let's see how they hang in there against the Chiefs, who are kind of down bad right now. Probably get a pretty good feel of what the Giants are actually made of tonight. The Eagles just 
roundhoused Detroit yesterday. I could not believe that score when I saw it because I didn't get to watch as much of the noon games as I wanted to. I was driving. I don't know. The NFC North ain't that much better than the NFC East if it is. I think Washington's better than the Lions. We'll see with the Giants tonight. If the Giants come out and play really well, hang with the Chiefs or even beat them, that means I'd probably take the Giants on a neutral field to hang with the Vikings just fine or hang with the Bears just fine. The AFC West and the AFC North are for sure better, but the AFC South is pretty bad. Well, God, what a gross division. The thing about the AFC South is there's six free wins sitting there between the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're one and six and one and seven. Indy's quarterback by Carson Wentz, and we think of Indy, it's like, oh, they're a competitive team. Well, they're three and five. So at some point, we can like the personnel, we can like the coaching staff, but they're not winning. And Tennessee just lost Derrick Henry for the year. They're six and two. So I'm not sure. I think the NFC South or the AFC South is a little bit worse than the NFC North. The AFC East, I'm not quite sure. Buffalo and and Green Bay probably cancel each other out. The Dolphins are probably a little bit better than the Lions. And then we're comparing the Jets, who got an impressive win yesterday, to either the Vikings or the Bears, and then the Patriots, who got back to 500. The Patriots might be kind of a interesting case study moving forward. See if they can go, you know, a couple games over 500 down the stretch and maybe compete for a wild card spot. I don't know. They've won two in a row now. Positive point differential. They're plus 42, which means they played in a lot of close games even when they lost. Point differential, even this early in the season, can be a little bit misleading. For example, Green Bay is plus 25. Um, well, they lost by 35 in week one. If that game had even been a three-point loss, you know how different that total would look. It can be a little bit a little bit misleading. To focus on the NFC North, this is the part of the year where it gets really scary for Dan Campbell because it's early... You know, in in the first month of the season, you can keep your guys engaged, locked in. Yeah, we're building something for the future. Well, when you're 0-8, guys are going to be a little bit less convinced. It's like, well, why are we going to play our butts off for you next year and the year after? We're not going to be here by the time these draft picks come to fruition and by the time what you want to install comes to fruition. This is when it gets scary for Dan Campbell. Chicago, I, I don't even know. We got good Justin Fields yesterday. He had probably the best play of the Bears' season with that long run. And then it was followed by a missed extra point, and the defense then surrendered a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. I, I don't know what to do with the Bears. And the damned Vikings. You can do mental gymnastics, and you can talk about how they've gotten unlucky. It's like, oh, they lost a fluky game to the Bengals, and I don't think Dalvin Cook actually fumbled, and then they missed the field goal against Arizona. Okay, you want to fix both of those games? Don't play close games against Cincinnati and Arizona. Just don't. Just score more. Be better. You gave up 14 at home to the Browns and lost. And you need a miracle field goal to beat the Detroit Lions, who are 0-8 with a point differential of minus 110. You needed overtime to beat Sam Darnold in Carolina. The Vikings are telling you they're not good. Week after week after week. Just listen. Just pay attention. Don't be in denial about it. The other take I wanted to talk about, maybe we can do this coming up next. Coming into the season, I was stuck in the mindset that the AFC is much better than the NFC. I thought that was a lock. I don't even think that was up for debate. And now... I'm not so sure. It's very interesting comparing these two conferences now through week eight. Well, almost through week eight. We have Giants-Chiefs tonight, which I know is we're all waiting for this game to decide the balance of power in the league. It's like, are the Giants really good? Well, no one really cares, but we'll watch because the Manning cast is on, and it's Monday Night Football. Let's compare the AFC-NFC. I have one World Series take for you, and then we'll reset the show at 5 o'clock, get back to the big story, which is the Minnesota Vikings from last night. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
a.m. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers in meetings today and a walkthrough practice getting ready for Week 9. Tight end Robert Tunyon out for the year with a torn ACL suffered against the Cardinals. Mercedes Lewis says the 27-year-old Tunyon is always eager to learn. He's always in my ear. Like, there's not a moment where he's not asking me something. It can be football, life, financial stuff. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, he's always in my ear, always texting me, always calling me. Uh, and he's been like that since I met him. If, you ever, if you're able to put things in perspective that way and just hone in every single day on getting better, you're going to get a product like you see what Bobby's doing right now. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. Bobby's a tough one to replace. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, so versatile in, in terms of both in the run game and in the pass game. And, you know, there, there's going to be some things that we might have to adjust in terms of how we game plan. So after Mercedes Lewis, other options at tight end include Josiah DeGora, Dominic Daphne, and Tyler Davis, who's on the roster. He's 24 years old, six foot four, 252 pounds, drafted out of Georgia Tech by Jacksonville, and was signed off the Colts practice squad by Green Bay in late September. Davis spends a lot of time in the weight room and talked about what he brings to the Packers. My athleticism, number one, uh, that's uh, something that I hallmark that that's my game um, my athleticism that's how i try and beat defenders with uh, my athletic ability at the tight end position so just throw my my speed my uh change of direction best packers coverage mike clemens at michael clemens on or not michael clemens at mike clemens nfl on twitter he'll join us tomorrow at 5 30 at 5 30 tonight we're going to speak with matthew caller Purple Insider. Great mind to talk about the Vikings and just football in general, which is kind of what we're doing today, given the Packers played last Thursday, and we already talked about that game. So we talked a little bit about the Jets game, Mike White, what that taught us about the Packers, and, of course, the Vikings, because, good God. I'm sorry, Vikings fans. How do you keep doing this? I don't know how your team keeps losing games like this. They've lost to Chase Daniel, Matt Moore, and now... Well, let me check my nose. Oh, Cooper Rush. And the Packers lost to Josh Rosen not too long ago, so I guess I can't be too judgmental, but good God. Cooper Rush. We're just talking a little bit about how I'm not convinced of some of our takes that we had earlier in the season. I remember way back in week one, two, three, when we're all young and dumb and we think we got it all figured out. It's like we're all in adolescence at that point in the season. We're also dead set on what we believe. Right, And I thought the NFC North, worst division in football. And I still, I don't know. I think it could be as bad as any other division. The NFC East is pretty bad. Grass is green. The AFC South is disgusting. Water is wet. Typically is with the Texans and with the the Jaguars. Imagine that being the bottom of your division. You get two free wins against the Jags, two free wins against the Texans every year. No wonder the Titans have got a good thing going, consistently making the playoffs here in the uh, the past couple of years. Something that I said and was darn sure of at the beginning of the season, the AFC is better than the NFC. I thought that 100% to be the case. Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, Browns. Well, now I'm not sure that that's the case. Are we sure the NFC, like two years ago, isn't back to its old ways? We sure it's just not better? They have this host of one-loss teams at the top of the conference. The Packers, the Rams, the Cardinals, 
And then the Cowboys, who have played one fewer game, they're not even healthy. Their quarterback isn't even perfect. And then the Buccaneers are behind with two losses. And then you get into the pack of the Titans, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Bills. And then the Saints have two losses. That's interesting. And it's actually the AFC that has this smattering of, of middle-of-the-road teams, which I thought would be the NFC. I thought they would have the middle-of-the-road teams. And I thought the Vikings would be in there and maybe the Seahawks or maybe the Niners. But instead, it's the Steelers at 4-3 and three and the Chargers at 4-3 and three and the Patriots at 4-4 four and four and the Browns at 4-4. Four and four. And then the NFC has some teams down towards the bottom. I don't know. Right now, I'll look up some Super Bowl odds over the break, but Packers, Cardinals, Rams, Cowboys... Are they not the four best teams in the league? You can make an argument for the Bills, and I'd hear it. I don't know that I would listen to an argument on the Titans. I don't know that I'd listen to an argument on the Raiders, just because eh. Ravens are 5-2. and two. They've had some ugly losses. I don't know. I'm not convinced, like I was at the beginning of the season, that the NFC isn't still better than the AFC. Now, the AFC has the young, up-and-coming quarterbacks, right? Like, I love Justin Herbert. I love Patrick Mahomes, obviously, and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, Mac Jones. You know, take him or leave him. You probably differ in our opinion of him. And the quarterbacks in the NFC are aging, Rodgers and Brady, and even Stafford to a degree, too. But, man, I'm not so sure I think the NFC, after all, might be better at the end of the year than the AFC, which took, what, one year? One year last year, I think the AFC was better, and that was it. And now I think we're back to NFC supremacy, which has been the norm for, I don't know, the last 10 years for a long time. That's been the case, especially when the Chiefs aren't any good. And we'll see the Chiefs play NFC East superpower, (laughs) New York Giants. What a weird game. This is every Monday night. It's like, wait, that's the game they designed? The Giants and the Chiefs. Okay. I don't know who asked for that, but... That's what we're getting. At least we have the Manning cast tonight. I do want to take two minutes at some point tonight to share one thought on the World Series. So we'll fit that in after 5 o'clock at some point. I want to get back into the Vikings. They're the big story of the day. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, always one of my favorite guests, my favorite interviews. He will join us at 5.30, a chock full hour, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. First, an update from our buddy, Zach Heilbrin. show my name is grant bills twitter at wisco grant we have a tweet calling out uh some of our callers uh, and I, I feel like i need to read this there's a message for some of you callers that have called in today it's not a fan of uh the content and the takes callers need to step their game up that's the theme i'm going to share with you that tweet a couple of world series thoughts before we wrap up the show tonight as well right now one of my favorite guests i love talking football with him matthew caller purple insider I, I guess it worked out that the Vikings had a crazy game yesterday, and that kind of became the topic of the show, and Matthew is available today. I like talking Packers, NFC, AFC. It doesn't really matter with Matthew, but the Vikings have been our topic today, so I think this is the perfect time to catch up with him. Matthew, first of all, thank you for coming on. How does this team keep doing this? How do they keep, Like, I turned off the TV last time. I'm like, I don't get how this still keeps happening to the Vikings. They just find ways to lose games like this, and it never seems like it's ever going to end. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've started to add them up. You know, the list of backup quarterbacks that Mike Zimmer's teams in recent years and, and Kirk Cousins' quarterback teams have lost to, 
Um, maybe the most notable before this was Andy Dalton at U.S. Bank Stadium last year. But even if you sort of throw that out and say, well, you know, lost season, COVID, no fans, whatever, uh, you go back to 2019 and they lost the game to Matt Moore in Kansas City that Patrick Mahomes had to miss. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came very close to losing a game to Brandon Allen uh, in which they had to come back from down 20 points to win that game against Denver in 2019. I think the, the fundamental thing, no matter who is the offensive coordinator, uh, is that they play generally a conservative brand of football on offense, that they don't trust Kirk Cousins, they don't push it down the field. And even when Mike Zimmer said that they had plans to push it down the field, it just didn't happen, which I think was probably an indictment of Cousins. Um, Cousins is has done this to many people. I mean, he's done it to Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan in Washington. He did it to John Filippo before he was fired. He did it to... Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak, no matter who's calling the plays, there are nights where Kirk Cousins is getting pressured from the opposing defensive line, and when that happens, he starts to get the happy feed, he starts to get the quick trigger and check it down, and he seems to drop his eyes and, and start looking you know, to his fullback and running back and tight end and, and not down the field, and when it's double coverage or when there's pressure or when anything is just not right on time like it's supposed to be, that's the version of Kirk Cousins you get. And, you know, Cooper Rush and the Cowboys gave them, I don't know how many chances. I mean, the interception, fumble, Mm -hmm. three unnecessary roughness penalties on the same drive, and they still could not find the way into the end zone after – the first drive of the game, which in which everything did go right and everything was kind of laid right out for them. So, you know, this is a thing where, uh, you know, yeah, you could talk about, well, should they fire this person, that person? Yeah. Uh, but it's just very hard to see different results with a quarterback who's now a hundred something games into his career and has all the same roller coaster seasons every year. I mean, he's the most. He's the most consistent man in sports. I, I think he plays yeah. every game and every year is exactly the same. Well, that's a good take. It's consistent. It's maybe not consistent in the way that you want, but I think we know what to expect. And sometimes stats be a little overblown. Like, I think Vikings fans, like two years ago, were annoyed by the primetime number. Oh, he's 0 and 10, 0 and whatever on primetime. And at some point, I think we all realized, okay, well, actually, maybe there is something to that. Like, we get enough examples. We see enough evidence. Kirk Cousins is telling us who he is. We should probably listen and take him seriously. Last night in the press conference, right, asked about third down struggles or red zone struggles or not taking a timeout going into halftime. He's like, well, I'll let the coaching staff handle that. I think the thing that bothers me about Kirk Cousins and when Vikings fans call me and say, well, it's the O-line, they need to be better. Or, uh, the offensive coordinator needs to be better. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Kirk Cousins is paid like Rodgers or Wilson, and, and I don't expect him to play like those guys. But at some point, he does need to take responsibility for this, right? Quarterback wins aren't a stat, but they're, that's, he's part of it. And that's, I think, what bothers me is he doesn't really seem to want to act like he's responsible or step up and try to do it himself. That's, I think, what bothers me about Cousins. Yeah, the, the well, first of all, the, the matter of wins is yeah. when your team, like let's say an individual season, you know, Brett Favre went 4-12 once, right? Well, mm-hmm. an individual season is not going to tell you about a quarterback. But, you know, when your team signs you and they're very, very, very good and they're coming off an NFC Championship appearance, and they sign you to a short-term deal to win in that window, and they give you elite wide receivers and a very good defense and a very good defensive head coach, and you are four years into it, and you're basically dead down the middle at 500. 
when you've had Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, good defenses in all but one year, when Vegas thought you should have won the, won the division a couple of times, and now you can count that out. So you can go four straight years without winning the division. Like the goal of signing him was only to win. Yeah. So I don't really care what his PFF grade is or his quarterback rating or yards per attempt. I mean, none of those things matter. The bottom line is four straight years and you haven't been a success. Every year you're fighting for the six seed or seven seed. Uh, that's not where your franchise expects to be when you pay a quarterback that much. As you mentioned, those other guys, I mean, Russell Wilson last year was a bit of a tough year for them and they went 12 and four. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rogers, Rogers gets that money because I mean, they can have Devontae Adams out and still win a football game, right? I mean, with the Vikings, yeah, I mean, the offensive line isn't great. It has never been great. It wasn't good last night, not at all. Uh, But you're supposed to be able to overcome when things go wrong. David Bakhtiari is not playing for Green Bay, and they're winning football games. I mean, last night, Cooper Rush won with his backup tackles in. I mean, you're allowed to overcome something, but not this team. Uh, And the matter of responsibility, that's never been a thing for Cousins. Sure. Um, he has always viewed it as I do my quarterback thing and everybody else does their thing. The coach is coach and I just run the plays that are called. And that is not, it's never been uh, the type of leadership that you're looking for as someone taking responsibility. It's not who he was in Washington. It's not who he's been here. And the, the thing that I kind of go back to is, you know, the first two years of Cousins, okay, I get it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're coming off that NFC Championship. You couldn't go forward with Keenum. There's no question about that. Um, the, the Bridgewater thing with his knee, you didn't want to try that. Fair enough that you go with, with Cousins. But you had a two-year sample size to see all the stuff that you saw last night, all the same types of losses and no-shows and ups and downs and frustrations and everything else. And then they said, oh, you want to play a single playoff game on Wild Card Weekend Let's sign up for three more years. That, to me, is where everybody may have signed their death wish right there, um, is when they decided, no, let's let's keep going forward and doing the same thing and getting the same result. So we're talking with Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. I, I know the answer to this question. I, I was going to ask, well, then what do you do, right? What's the next step? And I think you've, you've said that in your last two answers. There's nothing more you can do, right? Sometimes you hit a, a, a ceiling with a certain player, and maybe that's just what we're hearing. So... I saw Fire Zimmer was trending yesterday, and I like Mike Zimmer, but I think for all the reasons we just said with Cousins, he's not the biggest problem. So to attack this from another angle, if Kirk Cousins is going to remain their guy, is there anything that Rick Spielman can do? Is there anything the Vikings can do? Is there any way to do this with Cousins, or is this just what it is, and this is as far as they can go? Yeah, I mean, only if Sean Payton and, or Sean McVay comes available. Sure. Um, there might be... Uh, but, but I mean, he was with Sean McVay, and they didn't win any more than nine games in Washington either. So, I mean, I guess you can't even really say that. Uh, you know, I, I think that the only thing they can do in the immediate is to just let this thing play out and whatever happens, happens. To just play it the same way they've played it, and if they get into the playoffs at 8-9 and maybe, you know, maybe something crazy happens, you win a game or, or whatever – and then you start to think about how are you going to go in a different direction. The real question is, you know, if you had a coach that was more like Sean McVay or Sean Payton, and those are guys that are very hard to come across. You don't just hire someone who knows Sean McVay and it works out for you. That has not been a great model. But um, more of like an offensive innovator, let's say a Kellen Moore, for example. Let's mm-hmm. say you go with the younger, offensively innovative type of guy who just got a great game out of Cooper freaking Rush. Yeah. Um, 
okay, so maybe you do that and give it a year with Cousins and see what happens. Um, But, you know, I think it's probably the more prudent plan, considering that they basically don't have anyone under contract on their entire defense next year. And Daniil Hunter just got hurt again, and he's out for the season. It's probably better to say, this is kind of it. See what you can do. Get into the playoffs. Go from there. And then clean house. And ask Justin Jefferson, who do you want to be the head coach? Who do you want to play quarterback? Sure. Um, because right now, Justin Jefferson coming off a game where he got four targets has got to be just beside himself, especially considering what Stephon Diggs has done in Buffalo after he talked uh, or, or worked his way out of it, uh, out of Minnesota for all of these reasons that he eventually talked about. Um, the same things that they're doing to Justin Jefferson now. So, you know, I think that at this point, even talking to all of them today, mm-hmm. like, there's just no real answers. Like, no one has answers. We just need to play better. We just need to win. Um, there's no, if we only fix this, this, and this. It's yeah. like, I don't know. We just got to play it out and see what happens. Yeah, well, I kept hearing from Cousins. His answer to almost every question last night was like, well, it's a combination of coverage and pressure. It's like, well, that's Kirk. That's football. That's like that's That's the entire game. Coverage and pressure. That's what you're dealing with. I don't know. The presser was interesting last night. And we talked a little bit off air like that. That did have a different feeling. That loss was even worse than maybe Matt Moore, the, the Chase Daniel game. We're talking with Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Listen to his podcast. Subscribe to his work. Uh, two really quick questions. Number one, let's let's do the Packers. What did you learn about the Packers, if anything, on Thursday night when they beat Arizona? Uh, I think that they're tough. Um, and, and I wouldn't say that about all the Packers teams in recent years. I wouldn't either. Uh, there, were to- there were times where I felt that the Packers were kind of a finesse type of team that could get punched in the mouth, and, you know, especially that NFC Championship against San Francisco where, I mean, wow, they just couldn't stop anything. But even last year when the Vikings beat them with a bunch of handoffs to Delvin Cook and screen passes, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe this team could be kind of soft at times. And then they toughened up a little later in the season. A win like that, and I know it kind of happened weird at the end, but to even be ahead, and they had a, a chance to close that game out themselves, I, they can play a gritty form of football to win games. And, and they're, I think, just going to get better because they've got players getting healthier. Zadarius Smith, David Bakhtieri, Devontae Adams are going to come back. And the way that Rodgers is playing is, is pretty – kind of free and easy it almost seems so I, I think that you know if you're ranking nfc teams we've seen the bucks look a little flawed at times we've seen arizona look a little flawed at times i might have to put the packers as the number one team in the nfc right now i loved how aaron Rodgers played because we've seen this for 10 years he's brilliant he can extend plays he can do all those things sometimes we need more structure from him sometimes we just need him to hit the open guy and be more like tom brady which bugs me because tom brady doesn't always have the upper end that Rodgers has but he can do the little things to consistently win even when you're down a bunch of receivers. And I loved that about Thursday night's game. The fact that they were able to win because of that interception and come out of there, that was almost secondary. Seeing Rodgers run the offense, I loved. Finally, I got into it with a listener who's an L.A. fan today about the Von Miller trade. What do you think about that? So a second and a third to bring in Von Miller, they're basically giving all their picks away to go all in. We don't really see this often in the NFL. What did you make of that today? No, you're right. Uh, we don't see this very often in the NFL, and there's probably a reason for that because eventually that all catches up with you. Um, we've seen it with the Vikings where it was, well, oh, let's, let's trade our first-round pick for Sam Bradford. It'll be fine. We're all in. Uh, let's, you know, let's spend this huge contract on Kirk Cousins. It's fine. We're all in. Mm-hmm. 
And the problem is that if you don't win the Super Bowl, then you look around and go, oh, gosh, what did we just do to ourselves? And the long term is pretty scary. But for right now, though, I mean, you, what you have to appreciate is if you are an L.A. fan and you're going to that stadium, I mean, the talent on the field right now is pretty ridiculous. I don't know that they are so much better than anyone at the NFC. Like, I, I don't know that this is like a dynastic type of talented team that's going to just, you know, win a bunch and, I don't know, go 16-1 and one or something. Yeah. But um, I think from – the, the idea that you are giving absolutely everything you have to try to win, well, the NFC is pretty vulnerable, and I'm not convinced anyone in the AFC is super special. You might as well. I mean, right? Sure. Long-term, these never work, but long-term, almost nothing works. Even having Patrick Mahomes hasn't worked for, like, uh, this year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so – all teams kind of go through these ups and downs, and it sort of reminds me. Didn't the uh, I forget who did this? Didn't the Houston Rockets like tried to trade eleven picks for uh, Jimmy Butler or something one year because they were all in? So yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes it works, and if it does for them, then it will be you know a gamble that that really paid off. So I don't I don't hate it from that perspective. I'm glad I get to watch another team do it, and I can watch that experiment play out with somebody else's team and not necessarily myself. And I guess it's the same with the Vikings. <laughs> I love watching them, and they're interesting. I'm glad they're not the team I cheer for, and they're just one of the teams in the division with my team that I get to talk about. And I appreciate you joining me. Your podcast today with Sam was very good, and I enjoyed listening to it. When you do podcasts with Courtney, they're great, and I'm, I'm glad to get you on. Thank you, Matthew. At some point this season, I'm going to have to bother you and, and ask you again. I enjoy it. Thanks for the time. Yep, I'll be around anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Matthew Caller, Purple Insider. Subscribe to his work. Listen to his podcast. It's really, really good. And I, I don't know. I like his Viking stakes. I typically agree with him. And I like having people on the show that I agree with selfishly. I can argue with callers. I have Dave and Monona for people who disagree with me. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine in that department. Let's take a break. Get an update from Mike Clemens. Get to a couple of these texts. And then I swear, I have a World Series take. I know it's, I know it's stubborn. And I know you guys don't want to talk about the World Series. But here I am. This is me. All right. Take me or leave me. Love me or hate me. That's how we'll wrap up the show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.